Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. <laughs> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, we thank you. You are our God and you are our King. We give you the praise this morning because you are so much more than that. As if that was not enough, you are so much more. And we thank you that we are together today to listen to your word. And I ask today that your heart would be wide open for us to see and to understand what you want us to hear today. We thank you and we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What I should have added is that, Lord, please make sure my, my eyes stay dry. <laughs> okay, I guess it's a good thing I'm not wearing contacts. How do they work with tears? <laughs> Ooh, anyway, okay. So, we've been uh, journeying through a, a series called Revival Rain because of this amazing book that God has given to to our pastor to release over over us, basically over the body of Christ. And um, I hope that we've been journeying through this um, this devotional and that it's been amazing. And, um, you know, when I was going through the book just in preparation, um, just to, to see which part I would like to focus in on today, I was going through the book and um, as I was paging, a picture came out and I want to thank the person who did the illustrations, they're incredible. A picture came out and it was a picture of this man who has such a friendly face. Okay, I don't know why, where I'm going with this, but he had such a friendly looking face. And I was like, I wonder what's coming after this. And then the next one was friendship with God. And my heart was drawn to that one. And when I looked, it's amazing how she captured the beauty of that face, the, the joy, the, that face is so inviting. It is inviting. It's like we are being invited into something special, something beautiful. And today, that's why I want to talk to us about friendship with God, because friendship with God, we are being invited into a journey that is incredible, a journey that is so fulfilling. You know, when you are God's friend, there's nothing like it. Nothing compares to it. And that's why there is so much of a fight against us, us investing into this. Oh, just a disclaimer before I start. When I'm tired, my tongue does funny things. My, my mouth creates funny sounds. So if you hear me mispronouncing words, like word would be weird, it's okay. Just go with me and uh, just show a bit of grace. Amen. Okay, let's go. Anyway, um, there are so many things that God is. You know, if you think about God, God is our Father, Right? He is our keeper, he's our redeemer, our savior, our, he's, our, he's our rock. 
Most of all, many of us know God as our provider. A lot of us know him as our savior. We know him as our provider. We know him as our, the one who responds to help. He's our helper. But God is so much more than that. He's so much more that he plays so many roles in our lives. But there's a very special one that he has and that he wants us to take advantage of. And the reason why I'm saying he wants us to take advantage of it is that we are actually the ones who benefit far more from it than he does. Because remember, God does not need anything. He's complete in himself. But he comes in and he offers us his friendship. Now, um... There was a day when I joked and I said, every time I preach, I have to start in Genesis. It was a joke, guys. But I think God has taken this on. And <laughs> so here we go. I guess maybe part of the reason why I always have to go to Genesis is that I love origin stories. I love stories. I love to hear how things started and what happened and, you know, how people's relationships started. So we're going to go back once again to Genesis chapter 1. And um, in Genesis chapter 1, I'm not going to go, go too much into detail because of time. But we see God creating various things. So I find it interesting that when he creates, if you look, let's say maybe you look from verse 20, you find that it says there that God created this and he created it in its various kinds. And he created that and he created it in its type. Firstly. Secondly, each one of those things was created for a particular environment or for a particular, you know, it's like an ecosystem. So it was created to live in a particular place. And then when we go to verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, I'm reading this from the Amplified Version, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then he blesses them after that. Now what I find significant is this, is that it says that God spoke to himself. Before creating man, we don't hear of any conversation that happens about what is about to be created. But when God created us, he spoke to himself and he said, let us create man in our own image. Now, when God created us, there was relationship there already. So God created us out of relationship. He created us out of relationship and he said, let us make them to be in our image and our likeness, which means that they must look like us and they must be like us. So they must imitate us. So when we were created, we are created by God who is in relationship so that we would also be in relationship. So we are creatures of relationship. But what is significant is this, is that the other creatures that were created were supposed to exist. So fish, for example, fish was created for water and it will survive only if it is within the water into which it was created. The 
trees, animal, the, the trees, animals, all of the other stuff that was created, it survives when it eats off the land. It survives when it is connected to the land. So we were created in two, well, in, in two parts, if I can call it that way. We have the physical part and then we have the spiritual part, which is connected to God. So he made us to be like him in his similitude, in his likeness. And the only way we can survive and thrive and become great in what God has called us is when we are planted in him. So if we don't have a relationship that is deep, that is authentic with him, if we don't have that friendship with God, then something is missing. If you see me and you see that I'm a success, but I do not have my roots planted in him, I am not a success. If you see me and you think all is well in my life, but in my life there is no relationship, there is no friendship, there is no connection, there is no time, there is no depth in connecting with God, then something is missing. He said they must be like us. There is a deep connection between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speak the same language. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do the same things. So if my life is not so connected to Him that I say the same things that He says, that I do the same things that He says, that my heart beats for the things that make His heart beat, something is wrong. So we were called for a, a unique relationship. And I must tell you that when we are away from God, then we, we start to die. It says, Oh, I wish I could find. We wilt. We start to wilt when we move away from friendship with God. So when we look in Genesis, we start to get a clue of the bond that God is calling us to. When you look at Adam, Eve, and God, I think sometimes there are things that we don't see there. The minute we mention Eve, we remember that fruit, and then we get mad. <laughs> but let's take a few steps back. You know, when you look at Genesis 1, 2, and, and 3, uh, you find something very interesting. You see that this God-breathed person or these people, these God-breathed people had an amazing relationship with God. Remember in Genesis 1 verse, um, I think it's verse 20, 27 and 28, God told them what to do, 26, 7, 8. He tells them what their job is supposed to be. So he says, you, must, you are going to be like me and you're going to have dominion over the fish of the sea, etc., etc. Right. Now, Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the, the man, man called, whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the, in the sky, and all the wild animals. 
but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. To be honest, whenever I read this, I focused on the last part and I didn't really look properly and read it. But here's something significant. God gave Adam a job to do, right? Do you notice how Adam was doing the job in verse 19? God did not say, this is your job, bye-bye. In verse 19, it's in, in verse 19, it says, God brought to man to see what he would name them. So it's God who brought the job. So when I look at this, my imagination, I start thinking that, okay, so perhaps God had a task for, for Adam to do every day. He says, okay, today we're naming the animals. You are naming this one right now. What do you think it should be? So there was communion there. So God didn't just say, I give you responsibility over this, run and do it. But God was involved in Adam's life. There was friendship there. They were working together. Can you imagine what it's like to have God as your boss? To have him as your co-worker, as your partner? To have him say, what's your idea? Because that's really what God was saying. What do you think, Adam? What should this one be? That's such a good idea, Adam, right? Let's call it elephant. You know, what a great name. Imagine that, having that relationship. So he gave the names. And what I find interesting as well, which I didn't put here, is that Adam was busy working and he was having this communion with God. But in the communion, God says something interesting. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. In this relationship, as Adam has this relationship, God notices things that he wants to add to Adam's life. But Adam is busy. He's not bored. He wasn't bored and went looking for a mate and started look, started, because some people say, then the ape passed, then he said no, then the elephant passed, he said no. I, well, look, I don't know. If, but for me, it, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like Adam was busy doing the job that God had given him and he was doing this job with God. And then in the midst of that, God says, you know what? Here's what I want to add to Adam. And then while they're doing it, he's noticing that, okay, Adam isn't even interested in any of these things. He's like, and then it was God who then came and did something about the situation. And he took out of Adam the companion that Adam needed. And why did this companion have to come out of Adam? Because Adam was God-breathed. Adam was made in God's likeness. So if Adam was to have a companion, that companion need, needed to draw her life from God as well. Otherwise, that companion would not be a companion. That's why the others were not his companion, because they were made from different stuff. So Adam needed a God-breathed human being, because that's what he was. So he needed to have relationship with this person, so together they could have relationship with God. So they were to be friends while they were having a friend with God. A friendship with God together. Isn't it amazing? Can you imagine if, if you were there and you had a friendship with a person who is pure, pure, like pure, has no evil in them. 
Yo, that must have been incredible because I can imagine what it's like to have a relationship with me. <laughs> so imagine when God has cleaned me up, <laughs> what that looks like. As perfect as I am. <laughs> right. So, and then we know what happens, uh, you know, in the story. But before I talk about that, you know, when I was uh, reading here about how um, Adam named the animals and all of that, I remembered a story that I heard about George Washington Carver. Now, I don't know how true this is. You know, when people are dead, there's all sorts of stories that come up about them. But I'll take this one. It sounds good. So, apparently, George Washington Carver would every morning wake up and go for a walk. And while he was going out for a walk, he would have a discussion with God, talk to, to the Lord about nature and about what he was seeing. And from those conversations, God gave him something about the sweet potato and the peanut. So God gave him a hundred uses for a sweet potato. One hundred uses. And then 300 for the peanut. 300 uses out of a peanut. Because he walked with God, literally. He took those walks with God. So he, he was somebody who cultivated the friendship, who invested in the friendship with God. So when we also look at Genesis chapter 3, I just want to jump through these because I'm going somewhere else. But in Genesis chapter 3, I find something very interesting as well. God was walking in the cool of the, night, of the day. But he walked by at the right moment where these two were messing up. But he got there just before they made a worse mess. If you think we're in a mess now, if God had left them alone, it would have been game over. But he got there just in time because they had taken the one fruit and had not taken the other fruit. What I find significant about that, he's walking in the cool of the night, of the day, and they are aware that it's him. How did they know? They were familiar with God's movements. They were familiar with God. They knew that, okay, God is here now. We can hear him. Even as their fallen nature had just come in, but they knew that, okay, that's God. Which means that this is something that God did regularly. He was the one who was coming to them. And, um, you know, I, I, I learned something here about God in this particular part. It's that God is a friend who will help clean up your mess, but he calls you out on the wrong that you've done, and you have to take responsibility. So my friendships should not be those where when my friend messes up that I support them in the mess that they've made. I come in, I help them clean it up, but I call, but I call them to take responsibility. And I lovingly do it. But anyway, okay, let's move. There are other people that the Bible says were God's friends. Of course, there's Enoch, I think. I put him in there, even if the, the Bible doesn't verbatim say uh, he was God's friend. But he, the Bible says something interesting about Enoch. It says that Enoch walked with God and he disappeared. He just like, he disappeared off the face of the earth. So I suppose the conversations were so great and God was like, let's continue this one in heaven. 
Why don't we like carry on in heaven? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened, but he disappeared. And another person who, who nobody knows where he is, where his body is, is Moses. But anyway, today we're just going to talk about Abraham. And the reason why I want to talk about Abraham is because God himself said Abraham is his friend. When we look at James chapter 2 verse 23, the scripture says, the Bible says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And then in Isaiah 41, God says, but you Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. That's beautiful. God calls Abraham his friend. But you know, what is significant is that God does not just want a few chosen people to be called his friend. This friendship is offered to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us is called to be a friend of God. He is our friend. He has given his friendship but he wants us to look at it the other way and say, I am God's friend. Because in a friendship, it's not that the one is the other's friend and then it ends there. But it's, fr- so there's mutuality in friendship. It's not a friendship when it's all from one side and the other side does not reciprocate. That's not a friendship. So what I'm gonna do is I would like us to just look a little bit Um, at the story of Abraham. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 18 specifically. Now, just to give you a bit of the background here, Abraham is the son of, I've just forgotten his name, Ter something, but anyway. No, okay. Anyway, I just forgot his name. Terah or something like that. Right. Now, this gentleman was called by God to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and to go to Canaan. Right. So he leaves, and then he stops halfway. We don't know why he stopped there, but he stops, and he doesn't carry on. And then God appears to Abram and says to him, I want you to carry on from where your father has left off. I want you to go to Canaan. And then he gives him the promises that, go with, that, that are with going to Canaan. He says, I'm going to give you land, etc., etc." So that's the background of this. And between that and the chapter that we're going to look at in chapter 18, we see God appearing to Abram, I think, three times. So he appears to him in a vision. He appears to him uh, when he's making covenant. So he appears to him three times. And then this time he appears again in Genesis 18. So we'll read from verse 1 until about, please just bear with me. I'm going to read quite a bit of this. Um, Okay, from verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So remember, God had appeared to Abraham a few times. Okay. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, Do not pass your servant by. So there's three men that are coming, and Abraham is speaking to one. 
He says, as I found favor in your eyes, don't pass by. Let a little water be brought. So then he says, please come. I just want to, can I just, um, you know, wash your feet? Can you be refreshed here? And then, um, then the answer of my Lord, say, he says, very well, do as you say. So in verse 6 and verse 7, Abraham runs around. He literally runs looking for refreshments to be made for, for, uh, for the man and the other two. So he goes and he asks that they, they kill um, a sheep and prepare it, a lamb. Prepare that lamb. He goes and he asks Sarah, his wife, to make bread for these three men. Now, how long do you think that would have taken to prepare that whole meal? Two hours. That's because think about it. They have to first slaughter, skin. You know, I don't want to go into the details for people who, yes, with <laughs> vegetarians. <laughs> okay, Mlue, yes. <laughs> But anyway, the point of the matter is, I don't want to make you queasy, but what I'm trying to say is that this would have taken long. Right. This would have taken a few hours. But the man says to Abraham, okay, do what you want to do. So, so then he goes and he sits with them. And I'm sure when you have visitors, you don't just sit and look at them and say nothing. You speak to them. You spend time just talking to them. I wish I, I could find out what the conversation was that they were having there. But anyway, so they talk. And then while they're eating, right, in verse 9, this man says, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. And he says, there in the tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? In other words, I'm too old to have a baby. This is a joke. And just to pause here, when God told Abraham to leave the land and told him he was going to have a son, Abraham was 75. So now Abraham is about 99, I think, if I remember correctly. Right? So they're getting this, this promise that they're going to have this child. So Sarah laughs. I mean, who wouldn't laugh? But what I find significant, note, she says this inside. She does not say it out loud, right? She says to herself, Verse 13, now we know who the man is because in verse 13 it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And then of course Sarah embarrasses, No, I didn't laugh, etc. But now Abraham is sitting there with God and two angels, and they're talking, and they're having this conversation. This is a picture of what God wants in our lives. 
That song, I loved it. It says, I want to spend, to, to waste my hours on you. That's what was happening here. But the beauty of it is whenever we spend time with God, it's not really wasted hours. Because it, it is invested hours. So let's carry on with our story. Verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. So then God has this discussion, whether with himself or with the others, I don't know. But he says, shall I hide this? Because this is who I've called Abraham to be. So surely I can tell him this. Then in verse 12, the Lord says, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. So it sounds like this was a conversation that had happened before. But then in 22, the men turned away, the two men that were with God. So that's the two angels that we know of whenever we hear of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. The two men went away. And and Abraham is left with God. He's standing there with God. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And then he starts that conversation where now he's talking to him face to face. He's saying, okay, God, what if there's 50? What if there's this number? What if there's that number? And then he carries on. And of course, we know, um, if you don't know the rest of the story, you can go to, uh, to Genesis and you'll find it, chapter 18. But here's what I want to focus in on from the story. It's that when we have a friendship with God, firstly, it requires intentional action. There's intentionality that is required. When Abraham saw these men coming, he ran. He ran and he asked them to please stay. And he ran. There was an eagerness. There was a a hurried, okay, let me organize this. Let me do this. Let me do that. And I know for many of us, when we receive the Lord, when we give our lives to the Lord initially, That's the excitement that we go to God with. When you go to your quiet times, it's exciting. It's, oh, I can't wait to sit with God and I can't wait to read the word. But then as time goes on, as time progresses, it seems that we lose that. It seems that we lose that thing. Because here's the thing, any relationship worth having takes time. Any relationship that you have, it takes time and it takes us being passionate and consistent in being with him. What I love is that even when I'm not passionate about it, I can ask him to fill my passion cup so that I become passionate again about him. Because he is always passionate about me. God's passion, you know, God's zeal about me and my life does not wane at all. It's always up there, but it's up to me to ask him when I see that it's not there. It's up to me to go to him and say, God, friendship is like that. You go and you say, you know what, Lord, in all honesty, I'm bored when I come to you. In all honesty, I really don't want to be here. (laughs) That's what friendship is like. We become honest. We become real with God. We need to create space for this. As we know, as we've spoken about it. 
John 14, 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He says, we will come to him and make our home with him. You see, God doesn't just want to visit us, but he wants to make his home with us. That's why the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This reminds me of something that I read while I was preparing. It's, it's from a booklet called, My Heart Christ, Christ's Home. Okay, let me read it again. My Heart Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. And it's based on this scripture. Now the story is about a person who gives their lives to the Lord. And he speaks of that, this person's life as a house. And he talks about how when the person has received the Lord, he opens the door and he shows God his house room by room. You know, and he goes in and he shows him this room. He shows him that room. And of course, there's a lot of mess everywhere in the room. But he eagerly shows God all of those rooms. And then Jesus then begins to clean up each of those rooms. And he does various things. So this man continues with his relationship. So he meets with him. He decides to have a meeting with him every morning. So he meets with God every morning and they sit there and they, have a, they converse. So they have their quiet time. And then in the times when they meet, they discuss what's happening in the day and how he's going to approach things. He knows when he leaves that room that God is still with him for him as he goes out into the world. But then he gets busy. And then as he gets busy, one day passes, then he skips a day, he skips two days, he skips this and he skips. And then one day, he goes a whole month or however long it was, I don't remember. But anyway, the point is, he goes past a long time when he has not visited this particular room. And in the story, it's, it's the living room. That's where Jesus meets with him every day. So as he passes the door of the living room on his way out, he peeks and he sees that the light, the light is on, the fire is on, and Jesus is still sitting there. And then suddenly in dismay, I think it'll come up there. In dismay, I thought to myself, he's my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as my savior and friend, and yet I'm neglecting him. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in. With downcast glance, I said, Master, forgive me. Have you been here all these mornings? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here every morning to meet with you. Remember, I love you. I have redeemed you at great cost. I value your fellowship. Even if you cannot keep the quiet time for your own sake, do it for mine. The invitation that we are being called to. God has created us for himself. So we may not want to do it, perhaps. And I, and I have a suspicion that sometimes the reason why we don't want to is because of friendship with the world or because we are, um, me, not you, I'm too busy trying to do my own thing I'm too busy trying to not obey God because if I obey God, it will take the fun out of my life. So I'd rather not. Oh, I'm just too busy, God. I'm just too busy. But here's the thing. That's the prime reason why each one of us was created. 
We were created for relationship with God and not just a master-servant relationship. Father-son relationship, yes. We were created to be friends of God and he's waiting on us. That's the thing. He's not going anywhere. And what's interesting is that the Holy Spirit is right there inside of us daily, watching us busy with our lives, doing what we do every day and not inviting him in. You remember what I was, what I was talking about when I, when, we were, um, when I said about Adam, that Adam was doing life, but he was doing it with God. He was doing his work, but he was doing it with God. We are to do life together with God. I can imagine when we struggle what God says, because he thinks, you know, I have a solution to what you're going through. What are you doing? <laughs> you've got this. Come on, you've got this. But because I don't give him the time to actually speak to me, to, to highlight those ideas that he gives to me, I go the long way round on doing certain things. Or I waste my time on things that I shouldn't be doing. The Bible says that I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It says that he has works that he has set aside for me to do. But if I don't cultivate friendship and communion with him on a daily basis, I will put my hand to the things that I was not created for. I will put my hand to other works. Imagine if Adam, his job was to name the, the animals today. He thought, hmm, why don't we go and look after the flowers today? The job of naming the, the, the animals would not have been done. And maybe the flowers didn't need any tending at that moment. But... When we commune with God on a day-to-day -day basis, even those hard moments, you go through them, they become so difficult, but they are the greatest moments of your life. I cannot explain it. It's like you go through the hardness, you're like, hey, it is tough, but it is beautiful. Because it is in those moments that you know him more, that you know his close. He's closer than a brother. It is the mystery that I cannot explain to someone until they go through it. Where you go through the toughest moments of your life. But because you're holding on to him and he's your friend. It's like he takes you one step at a time. And he says, go. Come on, go. It's like he's saying, come on. You can do it. You can do it. And then he says, you are doing it. You are actually doing it. Do you see? Do you see that you're doing it? Now that's the friend that he is. And when we don't cultivate those times and that friendship with him, of, it, of literally going through our day, throughout the day with him, we miss out on those opportunities. And what I also find is that when we don't cultivate the friendship with God, then we don't see what we need to pour into other people's lives. Because if I'm not a friend of God, I become too obsessed with myself and the stuff that's happening in my life. So I don't see when he's put people on my path to be able to highlight to them the goodness of God, to be able to, show, to, be able to encourage them, to be able to pour into their lives. 
Because remember, I said earlier that relationship with God and, and friendship with Him is about us being friends with Him and friends with others. It's not just a one-way friendship. It's not just a, okay, I'm friends with God and this is all good, all wonderful. You remember when Abraham met with God? God spoke to him about his own issues, about him having a, a son, but it didn't end there. Because it says then they got up and they walked and then God started speaking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in that moment, Adam did something else. He was able to stand in the gap, which is what we are called to do. He was able to stand in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah, where his nephew was. So he was able to stand in the gap, and that's how Lot was not destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. Because Abraham was there in his friendship and in his fellowship with God, was able to bring to bring mercy to Sodom and Gomorrah through his relationship with God. And when you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, how these angels had to pull Lot out of that place because Abraham had spoken to God about him. He was being too slow and trying to do this and trying to do that. The Bible says the two men pulled them. We don't know how they got them out of there, but they held them by the hand and pulled them out. So in my friendship with God, we need to understand that there is power there, not just for myself and my situation, but my friendship with God extends to other areas and other people. It is in my friendship with God that I'm able to bring the answers that are needed in society. Because I sit with God and I say, God, do you see this GBV, God? Do you see the people that are being abused? Do you see this? Father, what are we going to do about this? God, bring your answer to this. That's what revival is. So we can't wait for revival for us to get this closeness and friendship with God. But we can begin to say, God, as we pray every day, we say, start with me, Lord. Start with me where I am. So as your friend, as I see the needs, so as your friend, as I see the needs, as I see the problems, I won't be overwhelmed by the problems, but I will take them to you. And it won't be just a prayer, 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 prayer that ends nowhere, but it's prayer, 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 and God gives me the solution. And I go out there and I do something about it. Or perhaps it's prayer, 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 and then God connects me with the person who may have the solution, but is afraid to execute it. So our friendship with God is so that we can do the things that he has called us to do. God gave us a mandate, and we are called to fulfill this mandate. So through the beauty of being friends with God, we begin to fulfill this mandate. But the last thing that I just want to go to, because I don't know how I'm doing with time. But the last thing that I just want to look at, which is so important to this, which is the thing that trips us up, is that friendship with God requires obedience. There is no friendship with God without obedience. There's no, you cannot cancel him. <laughs> you can, no, you cannot. You see, I have two choices. I either obey God 
and see him doing the greatest things that, he, that can ever be done through my life or I disobey him and see failure in my life to execute the purpose that he has called me to. There's no two ways about it. Do you realize what disobedience does? When we don't obey God, when God has called us to something and we don't do it, then we do not walk in the calling that God has given to us. And we were made for this calling. Like I said, Philippians 2 says, we are his workmanship. I was made by him. I wasn't my own idea. I was made by him. He made me. So if he wants me to be a friend of his, because he's a good God, it's not because he wants to punish me. When God says I am to obey him, it's because obedience is good for me. Obedience will cause me to walk on those high places that God has called me to. When Adam and Eve disobeyed, when the first time they disobeyed, it was destruction. Obe obedience to God is a love thing. It's a relationship thing. Think about it. Abraham started this relationship with God whenever. And then God comes to him and he tells him that he has to make a covenant with him. Part of the covenant is circumcision. Would you just, would you cut yourself in that way for someone that you don't know? For someone that you have no relationship with? For someone that you don't trust? But that covenant is the one that brought him the promises that God had given him. Sometimes there are things that we are called to do that are difficult. Things we are called to do that are difficult. But we do them out of obedience, not because we want to do them. Jesus, case in point, Jesus obeyed the Father. He sweated blood. He didn't want to go to the cross. His flesh was screaming, I don't want to do this. But he obeyed God. He obeyed. Even when everything in him was saying no. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. But look at what has happened because of that sacrifice. Look, just look at your own life. Look at the lives of other people. Look at the people that have been transformed. Look at what has happened because Jesus said yes to his father and friend. Look at what happened. I want to challenge us. Let's look at our lives and begin to obey God. Choose obedience. Let's test our lives. Let's test and say, okay, God, I'm going to choose to obey you in everything. And let's see what God is going to do. He says in 1514, you are my friends if you do what I command. What are those areas where we've locked the door for God? We're saying, God, not here. Okay, you can go here, but not there. Lord, no, this is my place. If we don't obey him, 
then we lose the benefits of friendship. And there are so many. And I've gone on too long, so I can't go into them. But there are so many. There are so many benefits. Friends, there are so many benefits. There's no friend that can love you like God can. There's no friend who can hold you up. I love my husband with all my heart, but he cannot. He cannot do what God does for me. He cannot. He cannot go to the depths of my heart and remind me of what he has put inside. He cannot remind me of the calling on my life. He may, but I won't hear him. But God knows how to do it. God knows how to take you out of a city and plant you in another city. God knows how to put a desire in your heart that you never really had and then makes it fulfill you in the greatest way possible. So those things that God has spoken to your life, his word, let's learn to obey him and cultivate our friendship with him. Because when we do that, we are getting a foretaste of what it will be like when it's revival. Guys, God calls us to friendship. So I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to ask us to stand. And um, can I ask the worship team to please come? And I would like us to use this moment to just, let's just talk to God. If your friendship with God is on point, it's a moment to just thank him and to reflect on that. But I want to ask if perhaps you know that your friendship with God is not where it should be. That perhaps you need to make right. This is the moment to do it. And if you would like us to pray for you, when we finish, just come to the front and we'll pray for you. And also, I just want to invite, as the worship team is singing, if perhaps you're saying, I haven't made this friendship with God, I don't know what you're talking about, but I desire to have it. I want God to be a part of every area of my life. I want to invite you to please just, just come to the front. Just take that walk and come to the front and we'll pray with you. God loves you and wants you to belong to him. All right. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.